Hi, you're listening to A Brit Difficult with August. A Brit Difficult is a podcast aimed at intermediate learners of English, and we focus particularly on British English. We're here to bring you new phrases, new vocabulary, explanations of grammar, and a chance to hear many different voices from all around the UK, both learners and native speakers. So we have another conversation episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today to do this. Uh, as always, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So if you want to let us know your name and your native language and maybe how long you've been studying English or learning English, I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, so my name is Judith. Um, I'm originally from Hungary. Um, I have actually started learning English at quite a young age, which didn't really show later. Um, I just think that the way English is taught in Hungary is it, it's done in a in a strange way, or at least back in the day it used to be done in a quite strange way. That So I've been learning English since I was about five, wow. but I still didn't feel like I could speak English at the age of, say, 18, which I think is a bit crazy. Um, it just started off with like learning basically vocabulary. I don't know, like when you're five, but you're going to mm. learn animals, colours, numbers things like that um and I think Hungary tried to put a, a big effort on on always having everyone learning a language typically you would choose from um either German or English German mm. being quite popular as Hungary is next door to Austria and Germany is quite close to um for whatever reason I ended up choosing English mm-hmm. um but it was I think there was always a big emphasis on learning the grammar and it kind of puts you in that mindset that you're scared to speak until you make sure that the sentence that you're saying is correct. Right, yeah. Or, and that's just, rather than learning some, you know, actual conversational sentences, if that makes sense. So like, you know, instead of learning, oh, hey, you meet someone, then you go, hey, how are you? Yeah. Instead of that, I could say that, I don't know, this table is black <laughs> and that's not very useful to start like a conversation duolingo sentences <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe actually I don't know how uh, learning English on duolingo would be um but yeah I guess you have to start somewhere though <laughs> but um but yeah it doesn't give you too much confidence that I can say that this apple is red but I can't say hey how are you doing <laughs> no yeah that makes sense so when do you feel like you became a bit more comfortable speaking English if that's the case um for a while I also thought that maybe I just didn't have the right skills to learn a language Mm. but that luckily that that theory failed um because in high school I also picked up Spanish which unfortunately I don't speak Spanish anymore but at the time um I was in like this Spanish special class where we had seven or eight uh, lessons every week of Spanish and oh that's intense (laughs) yeah it was really nice um, but I guess that was the point that that you do learn that language by mm-hmm. the end of your four years. Um, yeah, education system is quite different in Hungary compared to here in terms of number of years. But anyway, so our high school would be four years long. Um, and so, yeah, after the end of four years, I, I was speaking reasonably confidently in Spanish, whereas I've already would have been learning English for something like 13 years by then. Mm-hmm. And I still wouldn't be able to have a, a decent conversation with someone. Um, so anyway, when I went to uni, was it then? I think, yeah, probably when I went to uni was when when I maybe started a bit more actively 
thinking about talking in English, but um, I didn't really have any foreign friends. So the, I think the main problem was that there wasn't anyone that I could speak English with. Right. Um, not necessarily anyone whose native language, uh, native language is English, but mm. just anyone who doesn't speak Hungarian. Um, so I guess that probably started when I got my first job in a, it was at an international hotel chain. So we had a few um, foreign colleagues as well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not in the department that I worked at, but at least, at least I bond into foreign people every so often. And, and then I had to force myself to, to use that some kind of English that I had at the time. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is still back in Hungary. And um, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So when, when did you come to the UK and how did you feel about English at that point? Yeah, so I was 24 at the time when I moved. Um, and I guess what happened at the time, so because I was working at a hotel chain, I, I used to be an accountant at the time. And um, so I used written English quite a bit. Like I'd be emailing back and forth with suppliers, clients. Um, and that I found that easier because I could take my time to write the, um, or write, write an email and look up the grammar, make sure that everything is fine in it. Um, I'm sure it wasn't, but at least it wasn't just something that came out of my mouth. And then I was really nervous that it just didn't make sense. Um, so I felt reasonably confident in writing, but then I came to the UK and the first place where I moved to was in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a theme in this podcast of people moving to places where the accent is extremely difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just, it just happened. Um, I was applying to jobs within the company and and I literally applied from America to Singapore. I even had a job interview in Spain and then (gasps) the job I ended up uh, getting was in Scotland <laughs> and and it wasn't even Glasgow or Edinburgh it was up in the north near Aviemore. that's hard <laughs> even for me that's hard even for me yeah and and my first uh, flatmate was from Glasgow <laughs> and, and <laughs> I think makes. It, yeah like Glaswegian accent is just something else um and bless her she was she worked in Asia and and I think she was very used to speaking to to foreign people um, so she always spoke really slowly and tried to like really be very um, articulate, but still with a really, really hard, strong Glaswegian accent. So the first month or two in the UK for me was like, oh, God, I thought I spoke English at least to a level. But it's not even the problem wasn't that I couldn't speak. Problem was I didn't understand what people were talking to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got over that eventually. <laughs> and then, yeah, I actually really like Scottish accent. I don't know what it is about it. I think because it's just so different. Um, yeah, it, it was great. Amazing. Um, awesome. So when, when you were learning English or a kind, kind of getting used to using English, what were the things that you found the most difficult? Um, sort of maybe if you're comparing English and Spanish, for example, or just English versus Hungarian, like what, what was really tricky about English for you? Yeah, um, so Hungarian is a phonetic language. So mm. even if you don't speak Hungarian, if you know how to pronounce each letters, you could you could read out loud and it would make perfect sense to someone who speaks Hungarian. Okay. Um, and I think Spanish is like that as well. Yeah. And as opposed to that, I think pronunciation, English pronunciation is just something that if, like even now, and, and I live now here for 12 years, um, even now if I see a word written down that I just don't know, or never seen before I can probably have an educated good guess on how it's pronounced but that could also totally be wrong 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that quite hard. Um, and also, like, I had an example that I thought of that, um, like, when you have two O's in a word, mm. that could be pronounced completely differently dependent on the word, like moon or look. Oh, or yeah. <laughs> and then you go, okay, like, why is that? <laughs> um, but I guess that's, that's probably the beauty of, of English language as well. Um, I also think the, the grammar is, I, I'm, I don't want to say that it's so difficult, but it's definitely very different from, from Hungarian grammar or mm-hmm. Spanish grammar. Um, I mean, Spanish and Hungarian are very different as well. So I'm not saying that that would have been easy, but uh, um, I guess maybe someone who whose native language is from a, a grammar perspective closer to English might find it a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably those two. Um, I guess if you're thinking about the way that you learned English um, and the ways that you improved English after you probably left school and university and stuff, what would be like the tips you would give people who are learning English now or maybe people who are going to come to the UK and like think they know English but are going to find out maybe it's not everything yet because they haven't come to the UK yet? What, What kind of tips would you give to people in that situation? Yeah, um, but for me, one thing that was quite helpful. Um, so when I arrived to Scotland, I was still in that mindset that um, I have to make sure that what I say is grammatically correct. Mm-hmm. So I would think through a sentence multiple times in my head before I would actually say it, which would result in these situations where by the time I got the sentence right in my head, it wasn't relevant anymore because the conversation moved on. Mm-hmm. So I just that a bit stupid then um and then so I worked with quite a lot of foreign people and I started hearing some of their grammatical mistakes that they made but they just still seemed so confident talking and I thought well maybe I could try that and instead of like trying to speak correctly just just go and say it and then in the end of the day the more you practice the better you get at it um but if you don't say anything because you're just too too conscious about saying something wrong then that doesn't help at all um so that's definitely one um another thing would be I met so many foreign people who tried to kind of stick with their own um own communities so Mm. I used to work with a Hungarian girl who she lived with Hungarian people she didn't speak much of English um she was trying to learn English um online from a Hungarian person who lived in Hungary and I was thinking, like, what are you doing? Like, you live in England. And and if you're too, too worried to speak to native speakers, because you, you might feel a bit silly that you might say something wrong, go and hang out with other foreign people, but just anyone who doesn't speak your own language um, so that you're actually forced to um, use English in one way or another. And it's still better to say something incorrectly um, than not to say anything at all. And then eventually it gets it gets better. Um, one other thing I used to do is uh, people around me whose first language was English, I used to ask them to actively correct me when I say something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in general, British people are very polite and they don't like correcting you unless you you strictly ask them to, because it just it might come across rude that someone corrects you. But maybe that's an advice for anyone who, who works with foreign people. Just correct them. It's for their benefit. Um, but yeah, anyway, I used to actively ask my colleagues that please please I, I would like to speak better than than i'm i'm speaking so please do correct me 
Yeah, I definitely agree with those last two points, particularly um, when I was living in Japan, I noticed people who stuck with people who spoke English or maybe spoke languages where English was like the, the lingua franca between them. They didn't get as much exposure and chance to practice Japanese as they could have if they sort of let themselves escape those groups. Whereas I tried to, if I couldn't get access to Japanese people, because we were living in an international dorm, for example, um, I would speak to people who spoke Japanese better than English so that at least I was still practicing Japanese. So I think that that is absolutely a great point. And yeah, the correction thing, we are too polite. You do need to tell us. <laughs> I definitely had that situation with my ex-boyfriend who was Spanish. He would be like, please correct me if I say something wrong. I'd be like, I feel so bad. Like, <laughs> if I understand what you're saying, I don't really care, you know. But he'd be like, no, but I need you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. So, yeah, please tell us and we'll try. <laughs> we'll try to correct you without feeling too bad about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also think it's an interesting thing that not all British people speak correctly. And, I'm, and oh, I don't no. know. We speak wrong all the time. <laughs> Like, I, I remember the first few times when I heard um, you was um, or how I use. It's like, oh, I thought you doesn't have a plural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so things like, and I know that this is, maybe it's another thing to say you was. Well, I don't actually know, but um, it's, yeah, it doesn't matter if someone says something wrong. Or every so often when I see in writing when someone uh, says instead of would have or like would have, they would they would write wood off, wood off. Oh, and I and at first I was like oh I don't but like why why is that and then I put it together that when you say wood off then it kind of sounds a bit like that mm. but, but seeing that written down it always makes me cringe a bit <laughs> yeah. but but it, anyway it's a good point that you know if if a foreign person doesn't write something correctly or doesn't say something correctly it's perfectly fine Yeah, some people do definitely uh, write the way they speak. So whatever they would pronounce it as, that's exactly how they write it. And yeah, you get all kinds of different strange grammatical things, especially from regional accents, I think. Um, so yeah, you're going to see people using the wrong person in grammar or yeah, creating plurals where they don't exist and things like that. That's definitely going to happen. Um, but I think that kind of leads us nicely into the last topic, which is just about um, kind of interesting or frustrating or like weird things that you noticed about British English in particular after after living here for so long, I guess. Yeah. Um, I had this one funny story where you learn a word that means something in one place and it could mean something completely different different um, within the UK. Mm-hmm. And that word for me was we. Mm-hmm. So in Scotland, um, and then, yeah, and just forget the pronunciation part, but in Scotland, my Glaswegian um, flatmate once said, oh, look at that we girl. Mm-hmm. And to start with, I didn't know what a girl was, but anyway, that's just the pronunciation part. So that's girl. So a we girl meant a little girl. Mm-hmm. then about a year later I moved down to Manchester um and then someone said oh I really need a wee and I was like a wee what like I, like I just need a wee and I just didn't understand it the first time and then yeah <laughs> um, 
you just you just don't know what you get yourself into when you move to Scotland, really. <laughs> uh, and then another one was, um, I know that's a, like a northern thing, and Manchester says it the same way. But the first time in Scotland, someone asked me what do, what did I want for tea. Mm. I thought, well, a tea. Like, what what else would I want for tea? And then <laughs> they said, but no, no. Like, what do you want to eat for tea? I was like, what do people eat for tea? Maybe I can have a biscuit with my tea then. <laughs> and then and then that took a while to to kind of um, get to the mindset that yes, in the north, tea means dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you dinner, then that's your lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's always a very weird one. I think that confuses basically everybody. And I think it's a bit of a a joke for people in the south to, to make fun of northerners about that we that we call it tea as well. Um, yeah, I try to I try to say dinner if it's people who are not from the north, basically, which is is basically anyone who's from, not from the north in England or from outside of the UK. I try to say I try to say dinner, but maybe that's not giving the authentic northern experience if I do that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. As long as people know that that's another thing, and then they go to London and say lunch and dinner, then that's probably okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to, to add before we wrapped up? Um, no, I think that's that's it. I'm, I'm just looking at my little notes, but I think I covered everything that, that I had in mind. Amazing. Well, thank you again for joining us and uh, giving people an insight into what it's like to be in the UK as a second language speaker of English. I think it'll be really helpful for people to hear. Yeah, thanks very much for having me.